Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Not too long ago, I was at Andrews University at the seminary, and while I was there, uh, when we were studying, somebody told me that some years before, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, had spent a, a weekend with uh, the students at the seminary. Now, you have to understand that majority of students at the seminary are pastors, right? They're studying to for the master degree. And so they invited, the professors invited a rabbi to give some lectures over that weekend. And they told me that on Sunday, on the last day of his visit, one of the Seventh-day Adventist students, one of the Seventh-day Adventist pastors, ran up to him and said to him, Rabbi, I want to ask you a question. And the rabbi said, sure. How can I help you? And the student said, well, you see, you have spent one whole weekend with us. You spent one whole Sabbath with us. And he said, yes, that's correct. He said, so my question is, do you see any difference how we Seventh-day Adventists keep the Sabbath and how you Jewish people keep the Sabbath? Is there any difference? And the Jewish rabbi said, uh, everything is kind of the same. But if there is a difference, I, I must mention, there, yeah, there is one difference. And he said this, he says, you, Seventh-day Adventists, you keep the Sabbath. And he said, we Jewish people, we celebrate the Sabbath. Think about that. You keep the Sabbath, he said, we celebrate the Sabbath. Now, it's not the same thing. It's a huge difference. You see, I'm from a small town in Nicaragua. I'm from a small town. I'm not a big city boy. A small town. And in my town of Nandaime, very small town, uh, there are two things that grab the attention of people. You see, if something is happening at a place, people, people will be curious, you know, and they will, they will want to know what's going on. And there are two things that mainly grab the attention of people. One is a funeral. Okay? You know, there is a funeral. I heard somebody was sick, right? People will go and gather. The other is a fiesta. If there is a fiesta, people also will say, hey, what's going on there? What's going on? So the question I have to you, the, the question I present to you is, are we keeping the Sabbath as if it is a funeral? Or... Are we keeping the Sabbath as if it is a celebration? It is true we will grab the attention of people either way. But it does make a difference how you're grabbing the attention of people. It does make a huge difference. I want to talk about that with you this evening. I want to talk to you about celebrating. Amen? Because we, 
of all the people on the earth, we, the children of God, ought to be celebrating. See, I mentioned to you this morning that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they celebrated a lot of things in the Old Testament. They were called feasts, right? That's why I told you that I was not afraid to use the word fiesta, feast. They got the tabernacle feast, right? And the, uh, um, the harvest celebrations, you know? And the early ones and the late ones and the Passover, of course. And, but they were all called what? Feast. And God was with them throughout these feasts. And the purpose of this feast was not only for them to remember what the wonderful things that God had done in the past, but also to celebrate the wonderful things that God was doing in the present among them. But not only to celebrate the things that we were doing in the present, but the promises of God in the future. Because I don't know if you know, but you ought to celebrate even before you receive. That's God's uh, logic. You see, human logic is that you only celebrate when you receive, right? If you give me a present, I will tell you, I will say what? Thank you. But God's logic said, no, even before you receive the present, you ought to be saying what? Thank you, Lord, before you receive it. Because in Jesus, all promises are what? Yes, fulfilled. They're a reality. They are a reality. Okay? So I think the Christian church, specifically the Seventh-day Adventist church, Needs a little bit more of celebration. So that people will be attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This evening I want to talk to you about the relationship between Sabbath keeping. Okay? Sabbath keeping and the cross. And they are intimate related. You know that, right? We know from the New Testament account that Jesus died on a Friday afternoon, right? And that then he what? Rested for a Sabbath, right? And very early on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, he what? So the Sabbath is intimate, intimately related to Calvary, to the cross. And that's the theme of this uh, evangelistic series, right? The, the cross what? Ah, and so if the cross makes a difference, it's important, then the Sabbath is also important. Amen? So we read in Luke chapter 23 that at Calvary, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he said, What? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he gave up the spirit. There you have it. Jesus came with a mission, and at the cross, he accomplished that mission. Amen? And what was the mission that he accomplished? Salvation. For whom? For whom? For everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, my wife brought this to my attention, that it doesn't say he lent his son. It doesn't say he rented his son. It says he gave his son. 
So it is legal. It's authentic for you to say, Jesus is mine. Can you say that? Let's say, look, look. One, two, three. Jesus is mine. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Jesus is mine because God gave him to us. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The enemy will try to insinuate that. But Jesus is yours. Jesus is mine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's go to the next slide. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that you were not redeemed from your vain way of life, inherited from your fathers with perishable things, like silver or gold. This morning we learned how we can be in somebody else. You remember that? We're, those of you that were here this morning, how in the Eastern mentality you can be in somebody else, right? In Adam we all sin, right? But in Jesus we all live, right? And we talk about the relationship with uh, uh, Jesus as a high priest, with Melchizedek, remember that? And the tribe of Levi, etc. All right, so, so we inherit from our fathers, right? Sin, but we were redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We talked about that last night, how the little lamb that was dedicated for sacrifice were robbed. Remember that? So that they could not break a leg or nothing, a bone, because the lamp of God ought to be without a spot, without blemish, without spot. He was foreordained before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. You see, the people in the Old Testament had reasons to celebrate, to celebrate, to participate in feast. They had reasons to celebrate because God had already brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, right? He had conducted them and performed a lot of miracles in the wilderness. They had inherited the holy land, the promise. But do we, do we on the other side of the cross, do we have reasons to celebrate today? I would say even more. Because the promise, the Messiah, has already been given to us. We have more reasons to celebrate. If they celebrate a feast, we celebrate more. We celebrate our salvation. And the Sabbath has to do with that. You will see in a minute. Go ahead. Adam and Eve sin. Adam and Eve sin. And the first thing they did, they made for them, right? Covers with leaves. They cover themselves. They attempted to cover themselves. And then he says that God came looking for them, right? And he says, Adam, what was the question? Where are you? Where are you, Adam? But Adam and Eve were what? Hiding. Why were they hiding? Why? Because they were what? They were naked. That's why they were hiding. Right? Is that the reason? They already covered themselves with leaves. Why are they hiding? 
Why are they hiding? They're covered with leaves. Why are they hiding when God says, where are you? Hmm? What did he answer? What did Adam answer? You want to read it? Eh? What did he say, Pastor? They were afraid. That's why they were hiding. They were afraid. Now, why were they afraid? Huh? You, you, you guys are answering like scholars, you know. It's because of sin. It's because of shame. You're giving me very high concept. Why were they afraid? I sin. You sin. Are you afraid? Why are they afraid? Yes, yes, they disobey. So what's the problem with that? Why are they afraid? Help me out, help me out. You have to make the gospel simple, people, all right? Sometimes we make the gospel very complicated, and people do not understand it. Why are they afraid? Huh? I know it was the first time, but why are they afraid? Why will they hide <laughs> afraid? Why? All those concepts that you're telling me, you know, sin and this and that. No, no, why are they afraid? Why? Why are they afraid of the voice of God? You're not help. Come on. Why are you? Listen, listen. Let me let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Have you ever gone into a roller coaster? Yes. Some of you have. Some of you like it. Some of us don't. Some of us don't like it, yet we go. Right? Why are we scared to go? Why? Why? Because we think that we might. We say, if this thing goes, vroom, right? Why is Adam and Eve afraid? Why are they afraid? Because God said, if you eat from this fruit, you will surely die. So when they hear the voice of God, they go and hide because they were afraid of what? Thank you. Is that sin? Come on. Am I making this up? They're afraid because they think they think they're going to die. They think, watch this, they think that God is going to kill them. That's why they're afraid. Are you following me? Okay, now I have more questions. But now you're going to think deep. Because I'm not satisfied with just any answer. So you're going to think deep. The question is, were they right in being afraid of God? Pastor, I heard a choir of yes, no, no, yes, 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 no, no. Yes. Were they right in being afraid of God? Let me see the hands of those that say yes. Let me see the hands of those that say no. Let me see the hands of those that do not vote. There are many of you that do not vote. Were they right in being afraid of God? Were they right in being afraid of God? 
You say no. Why you say no? Why why you say no? They were not right. Tell me why. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Give me another reason. I like that, but give me another reason. Why they should not be afraid of God? Why they should not be afraid of God? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What was the concept they had of God? They think that God is, are they right on that? That's not God's nature because God is what? God is love. God is love. They should have known that. But they believe the enemy. They believe the enemy. They believe the voice of the enemy. God is not love. God is arrogant. He wants everything for himself. Uh, right? But God is love. They shouldn't be afraid of God because our God is love. Has this God changed? The Bible says that, God says, listen, let us sit down. Let us reason. Yet sinners are hiding from God. And you have heard the examples as if when you own money to somebody, you don't want to see them, right? Oh, right. I owe him $100. I don't want to see him, right? Right? And God said, no, 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 do not hide from me. Let us sit down. Let us reason. If your sins are like what? I will make them what? That's the God of love. There is no reason to be afraid of God. You don't have to be. What? Pastor, they're looking at me as if they don't believe me. They do? You know them better. Okay. Remember this morning I said that the most misunderstood being in the universe is God. Because a lot of lies have been said about God. From the beginning, Lucifer started spreading these lies about God. And we have believed them. Adam and Eve believed them and they're afraid of God. And they should not be afraid of a loving God. God doesn't kill. Do you hear what I said? God does not kill. You know why? Because it's life. He is life. He never said, I am death. Does he say that? I am death, the truth. Is that what he says? What does he say? I am what? I am life. I am life. He cannot give what he doesn't have. He doesn't have death. He cannot give death. So why do we die? Because we voluntarily choose to separate ourselves from the source of life. Does that make sense? I'm preaching to Seventh-day Adventists. I know you have heard the example. If I disconnect the power, what happened to the light? If I connect it again, what happened? Right? If I disconnect myself from the source of light, what is going to happen to me? I'll die because I don't have life in myself. Amen? But does God kill me? People are going to be loose because they voluntarily chose to disconnect themselves from God. God says, draw near to me. Right? 
Okay. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring in singular. He will bruise your head. And you will bruise his first promise of the cross. First promise of what was going to happen at the cross. You cannot have John 3.16 without Genesis 3.15. There's no Genesis 3.16 without this passage. First promise of the gospel. Genesis 22, you read. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. This chapter in particular in the Hebrew tradition is read with a lot of respect. This passage is very sacred for Jewish people, very special. There is not a lot of conversation. It's just a narrative. Abraham doesn't say a lot. He just obeys, okay? Take your son, and he does it. There is no dialogue between Abraham and God and Abraham and Isaac. It's just a lot of actions, a lot of obedience. When he finally speaks, when he finally speaks, go ahead. Isaac said, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father... And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, here is the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Another promise of the lamb of God. That will take away the sin of the world. Amen? God will provide for himself. Let's go. Jesus said at the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his clothes by casting lots. They don't know what they're doing. Do you think people didn't know what they were doing? What do you think, brothers and sisters? What do you think? Did they know? What do you think? Not all of them? Yet the forgiveness is offered to all of them. Father, forgive them. All of them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let's go to the next slide. In Luke 23, 35, it says that the people stood by watching. But the rulers with them scoffed, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ. The chosen one of God. One of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, what? You know what the people were saying? The people were saying, well, if you're the Christ, come down. If you perform miracles, then, then get down from that cross. Save yourself. Now, I heard a preacher once said this, that if you and I, you see, you and I that live in 2018, Let's say that you were able to travel through time, and you were there at the cross. You are there, okay, with the knowledge that you have, and you hear people saying, 
come down, come down. If you're the Christ, come down from the cross. What will, will you be saying? Huh? Yes, what will you be saying? No, don't come down, right? Right? Why? Because you know that his death at the cross secures what? Your salvation. You see, what you know makes a difference. You see, instead of being saying, you know, like, these are fools. The Bible will call them fools because they don't know better, right? They're saying, well, if you're the Christ, show us and come down. We, if we were there, we would say, no, 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 don't listen to them. Stay there. Stay there. Because we know what we know makes a difference. Amen? What we know makes a difference. Let me tell you a story. Go ahead to the next slide. This doesn't mean anything to you. Nada, nada, absolutely nothing to you. It happened in 1974. Bear with me. I know that some of you don't like these examples, but just bear with me because it's a good example. You see, the guy on the left, his name is Ruben Olivares. He's Mexican. He was called El Puas. The guy on the right, his name is Alexis Arguello. He's from Nicaragua. Nicaragua is a small country, very poor country. You see, Nicaragua is not famous for only that there have been a lot of wars, you know, the Sandinistas and the Contras. You remember that in the news? That's why my country is famous, many wars. My country has not had a lot of heroes, all right? But in the 1970s, a young man, a young man started to climb, you know, the ranks of professional boxing. His name was Alexis Arguello. There was a famous sport commentator that gave him a nickname. You want to know what the nickname is? I'm going to tell you. The nickname was the Explosive Thin Man. El Flaco Explosivo. That's how they call him. The Explosive Thin Man. Why? Because Alexis was very thin. You will think that he was weak. But man, when he hit... He was explosive. Boom, boom, people will go down. The explosive thin man, El Flaco Explosivo. So in 1974, Alexis from Nicaragua got the opportunity of his life, okay, to fight for the World Featherweight Championship. No Nicaraguan had ever had the opportunity to fight for a championship. No Nicaraguan in the history. The problem was Ruben Olivares had been a champion for many years. He was a professional. He will knock down people second, third round. That's it. But that was his only chance. To make things worse, the fight was held in California. See, California has a lot of Mexicans. So fighting in California, it was like if they were fighting in Mexico. Because all the fans were from Mexico, Mexico. You know, no Nicaraguans in California. At least not in 1974. So the fight began. And I remember because there were not a lot of TV sets in Nicaragua. You see, some neighbors had TV sets. And so all the neighbors will run to the neighbor that had the, TV, the little black and white TV. And the houses will be packed. And I can tell you, literally, nobody was doing nothing in Nicaragua during this fight. The whole country was paralyzed. 
everybody was watching what was going to happen in California. There you have on the left, El Púas, Rubén Olivares, and on the right, there is the explosive team, man, Alexis Arguello. And all Nicaraguans are watching. I was a little kid, and I remember, you know, the adults watching and saying, move, move, but you know, you, you, you wanted to see, you know, what was going on. You didn't want to miss the action. And they went through the first round, and the second round, and the third round, and the fourth round, and the fifth round, and Alexis was standing, you know. Ruben had the reputation for knocking people on the second or third round, but he went through the fifth pastor, the sixth round, the seventh round, and Alexis was there, but he was receiving a beating. Oh, Alexis, I don't know if you can see it, but he was tired, and he was towards the end of the fight, Olivares started to make fun of him, okay? He started playing the clown with him because, you see, he was certain, and indeed, he had won all the rounds by points. He was a professional boxer. This guy was just coming up. Nobody knew about him. Only Nicaraguans knew about him. But in the professional boxing world, nobody knew about Alexis. So towards the end, Olivares started making fun of him. And, and instead of fighting like this, he will lower the, the arms, the guards, and he will start going like this. Uh, uh, like that, you know, like. Uh, he was toying with him, right? And I remember very clear, I remember very clear, the announcer, the one that had given the nickname of the explosive thing, man, this guy said, oh, oh, don't do that to El Flaco. Don't do that to the thin man, no? Because he knew him, right? The other didn't know him. He said, don't do that. Don't play around with him. Don't, he doesn't know what he's doing. He started saying, that. I remember, he started saying, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so, on that final round, when he's toying around with him, Alexis connected, Pastor, with a left hook. Because <laughs> he was not covering his face. He was toying around with him. Boom, boom, he went down. And the whole country, the whole country in Nicaragua started counting. You know, because the referee has to count up to what? And those I started going, uno, dos. And you could hear around the country. You could hear, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete. Oh, and I remember when they were getting to ocho, when they were getting to eight, I remember the announcer said this. He said, and they can count to 20. He's not going to get up. That's what he said. They can count to 20. He's not going to get up. And when the referee said 10, Nicaragua. Rawr. I think that was the first earthquake that was registered. I mean, I think the land literally shook on that moment. Because the whole country was celebrating the win of Alexis. Now, let me ask you something, brothers and sisters. Let me ask you this. Who won the fight? Who won the fight? Alexis Arguello. Alexis won the fight, but who's celebrating? Who was celebrating? The whole country of Nicaragua. Oh, some of you are already ahead of me. 
but hold on, hold on, because you are already ahead of me. You see, that's the part where he didn't, he didn't get up. Go ahead, my friend. At the cross, something similar took place. See, at the cross, Jesus defeated Satan. Satan is a defeated enemy. He can tell you otherwise. He can tell you that he has power to destroy you. But I'm telling you tonight, Satan is a defeated enemy. He has no power, absolutely no power, because Jesus Christ defeated Satan at the cross. You know? We have salvation in Jesus Christ. We ought to be celebrating. Sabbath is a symbol of that. You see, when you read Hebrews chapter 4, if you read on Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, when you read rest, you have to think about what? Sabbath. That's the word. Since the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear Lest any of you shall seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Them are the people in the wilderness. But the word preached did not benefit them. You see, they heard the gospel. How did they hear the gospel? Through the service of the sanctuary. Okay? Everything that took place on the sanctuary was the gospel being preached to the people in the Exodus. Amen? But the gospel was preached to them. But it didn't benefit them. Why it didn't benefit? Because what? Because it was not mixed with? You know what that means? Because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Sadly, there are many Christians today that do not believe that they are saved. You ask them, and they will say, well, I'm trying. That's what they say, right? I'm trying. I hope that when Jesus comes, he finds me. He finds me what? How? He finds me ready. Right? As if it was up to them. But at the cross, Jesus secured your and my salvation. You see, it's not for you to try to gain salvation. You know why? Because you can't. You can't. You and I cannot obtain salvation. Because we were not redeemed with blood. I mean, with gold or silver, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. So our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. What is our part? Yes, to believe it. To believe it. To believe it. Let me ask you this very quick. Let me ask you this. In the first week of creation, the first week, God created things, and then he said that he looked, and it was good and perfect. Amen? It was perfect. Everything that he did was perfect. And then he said that on the seventh day, God what? Rested. Question, why did God rest? And the answer is not because he was tired. Amen? He was not tired. Why did God rest? Why did God rest? Hmm? The, the word rest means to cease, to stop doing something, right? So God was creating, and everything that he did was complete and perfect. Amen? That's what the Genesis account said. In other words, on, on, on that first Saturday, on that first Sabbath, Adam could not say, oh, Lord, 
this plant is so beautiful, but you miss a spot here. You understand? He couldn't say that. Why? Because what God did was what? Perfect and complete. There was nothing else to do. Hence, he what? Rested. He stopped doing it. Amen? Does that make sense? He rested. He sees. He stopped. Okay. But Adam and Eve, we read from the account in Genesis, were most likely created on the sixth day. Amen? Okay? So their first complete day was the first Saturday. Amen? So we know why God rested, right? Now, why did Adam and Eve rested? What was the resting about? Because we know that God worked, right? And he stopped, so hence he rested, right? But Adam and Eve, their first day, they are supposed to rest. What's up with that? What was the resting about? Huh? Yes, sir. The first Sabbath was about celebrating. Celebrating what? The work that God has done on their behalf. Amen? So watch this. Oh, if you learn this. If you forget everything else. But if you remember this. Are you ready? Okay. You got to remember this. In the scriptures, in the Bible, God works and then he rests. Amen? But human beings, they first rest and then they work. I'm going to say that again. Because if you miss this, if you don't understand this, your Christian experience is going to be very frustrated. In the Bible, God works and then he rests. But human beings, they first rest and then they work. Sometimes we have it backward. And we want sinners to work hard first before they are baptized. We say, no, you have to start keeping the Sabbath. You will have to start uh, giving your tithe. You have to stop sinning, and then you will be saved. That's not biblical. First, you rest in the salvation of Jesus Christ. Then and only then are you equipped and empowered to do good works. Does that make sense? So what do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? He says here, look, for the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word preached did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. In other words, they didn't believe it. For we who have believed have entered this rest. As he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Go ahead. However, his works have been what? Whose works? God's work has been finished since the, the creation of the world. For he spoke somewhere about the seventh day like this. And God what? Hallelujah. You see, you see, we Seventh-day Adventists keep the Sabbath because we are saved in Jesus Christ. We don't keep the Sabbath in order to be saved. We keep the Sabbath because we are already saved in Jesus Christ. So the keeping of our Sabbath is out to be a celebration. Not a hard work. Not like, oh, man, you know, I had a Venezuelan pastor friend of mine in Canada. And this guy, you know, he was always making jokes. And he said, you know, he says, have you noticed Seventh-day Adventists on Friday? On Friday, they don't want the sun to come down. Right? Oh, hold on, hold on. I got to go to Walmart. I got to do this. Right? Friday, hold on. And on Saturday? He says, he says, they use a sombrero to 
bring down the sun, you know, on Saturday. It was a joke. But sometimes it's true. Because Sabbath has become a burden to some. Especially to young people. But Sabbath keeping is how to be a delight, Isaiah said. Right? It's how to be a delight. Something that you enjoy. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word delight? Huh? You know that game, word association? Do you know that, that game? The first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Word association. Oh, so it's oh, good. I like that. So if we say car, you, you know, no, you think too much. You see, word association, you have to shout the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. United States. Yeah, you shout the first thing. First thing that comes to your mind. If you wait too much, that, that, that's not the game. All right? Are you ready? Jamaica. Ah. <laughs> okay, so the first, the first word that comes to your mind. Delight. Joy. Sweet. You know what comes to my mind when I hear the word delight? Dairy Queen. Yeah, ice cream. Oh, delicious. Oh, my. To have an ice cream at Dairy Queen with my family. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? God says that Sabbath is how to be like that. A delight. Why? Because we are celebrating that we are saved in Jesus Christ. Not that we will be saved, but that we are already saved because of the works of Jesus Christ, specifically what he did at the cross for you about 2,000 years ago. You and I were not even alive. That's the wonderful thing. That's the wonderful thing. You know, I will say this. I always say this, and people don't like it. I said, if you're not saved, you cannot keep the Sabbath. Only saved people can keep the Sabbath. Amen? The Sabbath is a delight, my friend. We ought to make it attractive to people. You know, some people look at the Sabbath and they say, yeah, it's true. It's in the Bible. But it's not attractive. They say, you, you know, a, a great evangelist, Adventist evangelist that conducted a big crusade in Australia, big, huge in Sydney. A lot of people got baptized, like 800 people. And among them was a leader a young lady, leader, youth leader of a big mega church, Pentecostal church. She got baptized. And she asked this pastor, this Seventh-day Adventist pastor, he said, she, she said, listen, pastor, I get it. I get it. It's not Sunday. It's, it's Saturday. I get it. And then she said, now what? It's a good question. Now what? You see, there is a, a, a professor at Andrews. He's Jewish, Jacques Dukan. Have you heard of him? Jacques Dukan? He says, Sabbath is more than it's not Sunday. Because that's what we Adventists have made it to be. Oh, it's not Sunday. It's not Sunday. It's Saturday. Yeah, no, no. Sabbath is more than that. Sabbath is more than it's not Sunday. Sabbath is about the gospel. Sabbath is about salvation. Sabbath is about celebration. I hope that you can start celebrating your salvation. That is secure in Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email 
at podcast at As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting SavingGraceSDA.org.